Now, last week, if you were here with us, then you know that we began this brand new series on the book of Romans. And last week, we talked about something that even if you were not with us last week, you may already know, which is that the book of Romans is one of the most complicated books in the entire New Testament. And so because of that, it's a little bit intimidating, but it also contains one of the fullest explanations of the gospel. And so it is incredibly, incredibly significant. And so um, if you're here today, and if today is your first time with us, or perhaps one of your first few times with us, um, if at the end of this time, or if you're watching with somebody, if somebody asks you to watch with them today, um, and if at the end of your time together here this morning, um, if you're kind of looking at the person that you came with, and you're like, okay, I don't know that I really understood um, what he was saying, um, then I just want you to know that's actually my fault, right? That, that is not your fault. Um, that is my fault. Last week we began by recognizing something that's true for all of us, and we've, we kind of all figured this out at some point in life, which is simply this, that it's actually impossible, right? It's impossible to solve a problem when you don't know what's wrong to begin with. And we said that many of us have been trying to solve us for a long time without seeming to make a whole lot of progress, which means that maybe, right, maybe, maybe you don't know what the problem may be. In fact, um, you probably have had somebody sit at you, sit across from you or stand across from you and look at you and say, okay, what is wrong with you, right? And maybe you know, maybe you've looked in the mirror and said to yourself, okay, what is wrong with me? There's something wrong with me. Well, the Apostle Paul wants all of us to know um, that's not just a you thing, that's not just a me thing, that's actually an us thing. The Apostle Paul would say that was true of himself as well. In fact, it's in the book of Romans that the Apostle Paul gives us um, the solution to this problem. In fact, it's not just a solution. It's the solution. And again, like we said last week, if you are a follower of Jesus, you really need to pay close attention to this because this ultimately impacts your peace with your Heavenly Father, which in turn impacts your peace with you. And ultimately, it's going to impact your peace with everybody around you. And if you're new to church or if you're somewhat skeptical about the Bible and Jesus and all this, we totally understand this. Um, and I'm hoping that you'll choose to listen anyway um, because I think you're going to find something in here for you because what, what you have in common with all the rest of us right, is that there are things that you've actually tried to change about yourself. In fact, maybe you've had a lot of conversations with people who love you, people who care about you, who are trying to change you. And sometimes, sometimes you even agree. Right? Sometimes you even agree. You look in the mirror and you say, okay, what is wrong with me? What is going on with me? In fact, the Apostle Paul himself, he's had this very same experience. This is what he says about himself. He says this, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, that I do. I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out, for I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. We said last week, you do not need to be a religious person, right, to relate to, to what the Apostle Paul is saying, right? I mean, how many times, how many times have all of us, you've been driving home late at night and you're thinking to yourself, okay, I can't believe I just did that again. I can't believe I did that again. I promise I would never do that again. Or maybe um, you get into an argument with your husband or an argument with your wife and, 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 and you've defended your actions, right? But you know deep down that, they're, that what they're saying is true. And then maybe after you, you sober up a little bit or you calm down a little bit, you kind of look in the mirror and you say, what is wrong with me? What in the world is going on with me? And so last week, 
Last week, we looked at Romans chapter 5, and we looked at what the Apostle Paul said um, was the reason. He explained to us why it is that we do these things that we do not want to do. Last week, we said that the truth is, if we're honest, many of us have an easier time training our dogs than we train ourselves, right? Our family's had a dog for a long time, Luke. He's a 120-pound, 12-year-old golden retriever, right? Just this massive ball of fur and love, right? Very few self-destructive tendencies, right? Very few self-destructive tendencies. Why is it that as human beings, why is it that we do things that destroy our relationships? We destroy our friendships. We destroy our careers at times. We we do things that are financially self-destructive. Right, you would think by now, I mean, think about it, you would think by now that that natural selection like would have would have completely weeded out, right, all of those self-destructive tendencies that we have as humanity. Now, again, you probably have an explanation, right, as to why that is. And so last week, last week we actually got to hear what the Apostle Paul said that he believed the reason was. And, And this is what the Apostle Paul said. He said, once upon a time, a long time ago, there was, um, there was just like one person. And this first person was a, a, a human being. This first person was a man, and we just call him Adam. And because Adam was the first person, um, we were all kind of in Adam. Because Adam was the first person, and so whatever was true of Adam, the Apostle Paul said, would be true of us. Because all of us, right, we were born in Adam, right? This is me, right? This is, this is, this is actually more like my wife right here. This is my wife, right? These are my kids, right? And here, lots of grandkids someday, hopefully. This is you. This is your family. This is your future family. Anyone, the Apostle Paul said, born into this world would be born or has been born or will be born through Adam. And so whatever is true of Adam, the Apostle Paul said, is also true of of us. Which means that when sin contaminated Adam, sin contaminated us. It wasn't fair, but it was true. Right? And just because something isn't fair doesn't mean that it's not true. Sin contaminated us, meaning that when we were born into this world, you and me and all of us, we were born with the guilt of sin. Uh, I was born with the condemnation of sin. I, I was born with, with this feeling, right? this feeling of, of sin kind of um, ruling over me or having power or having control over me. And see, the Apostle Paul would say, okay, the reason why, right, the reason why you keep doing The reason why I keep doing all these things that I do not want to do, the reason why there's this battle inside of you, he would say, is because sin rules over you. Sin is your master, the Apostle Paul would say. In fact, this is how the Apostle Paul, how he kind of summarizes. He summarizes his own personal experience dealing with this. He says this, he says, what a wretched man that I am. Now, you felt that at some point in your life, haven't you? And see, this is so important because this is what this is saying to us. The Apostle Paul is saying, listen, he doesn't tell us what it is that he was dealing with. But we know because of this statement that whatever it was, it wasn't something small. Right? This wasn't, okay, I keep using the 12 items or less lane at Kroger with a full cart. Right? It wasn't that. It wasn't, okay, I keep forgetting to take out the trash each week, right? Wretched man that I am. It wasn't that. It wasn't, I keep leaving the seat up. Wretched man, right? Wretched man, maybe. Wretched man that I am. See, we do not know what it is the Apostle Paul is referring to here, but what we know is that it wasn't small. 
that this was something that he struggled with. This was something where he started to wonder, okay, why am I not doing the things I ought to do? And it made him feel wretched. Wretched, what is wrong with me? What has gotten into me? I would give anything. I would give anything to deal with this incessant insecurity that always drives me to go places and to do things I know I'm going to regret. I always regret. I I would do anything to, to not blow up at my wife, to not blow up at my kids, to not blow up at my husband. What is wrong with me? What has gotten into me? And so in Romans chapter 6, The Apostle Paul, he begins to give us the solution to this problem. And and he's going to tell us a little heads up. The solution is not willpower. It's not self-discipline. It's not more self-control. Even though, interestingly enough, the Apostle Paul would actually encourage all of those things throughout the New Testament. But but he says that those are not, in fact, the solution. Um, He would go on to tell us, actually, those, those are a result of the solution. They're what he would call the fruit of the Spirit a little bit later on. He would say um, that they actually come as a result of having the solution. The solution, he would say, is way bigger, way more significant. It's way more important than just self-control or discipline or, or willpower. In fact, one of the, the results of having the solution is you'll have the ability to have um, self-control in areas that previously you had no control. And then the Apostle Paul remembers that he actually forgot to tell us something. And that's where he begins today in Romans chapter 6. And he tells us this in verse 3. He says, well, don't you know? Don't you know? Because he knows we don't know. So don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Don't you know that? Paul would say to which we hear this and we think, okay. Not only did I not know that, now that you've told me that, I still don't know. Like, I still don't know what what is he even talking about, right? This is so important. Because if you've kind of grown up in church or around church or even just familiar with church, as soon as we hear this word um, baptized, right, we immediately think religious. We immediately think like water or sprinkle or dunk, right? But when the Apostle Paul wrote this, when he wrote this, um, this Greek word here, baptizo, Right, baptizo is a very common um, non-religious word, which just literally means to dip. That's all it means, to to dip, as in to place one thing into another thing. And so this is what the Apostle Paul is saying, right? This is so important. He's saying that when you were in Adam, when you what because you're in Adam, what was true of Adam is also true of you. Right? And so, um, don't you know, right? Don't you know that you were in Adam, um, what was true of Adam was true of you. You were separated from God. You were born under the power of sin, under the dictate of sin. But, But don't you know, right? Don't you know that when you were baptized, right, you were actually baptized into his death? Right? Don't you know that, Paul would say? When you were baptized, God placed you. You were actually baptized into the death of Jesus. And just as what was true of Adam was true of you, this is now true of you because you are now in Jesus. You were baptized into his death. In the very same way, the Apostle Paul would say that what was true of Adam, it's now true of you. You say, well, listen, I wasn't there. It's not possible. Well, Paul would say, listen, you weren't actually here either. We were, therefore, we were, therefore, buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, 
that we too may live a new life. Paul says the death of Jesus and all that went along with it, which he's about to tell us in just a moment, and the resurrection of Jesus and all that went along with it, Paul would say, all of those things are now true of you because you are now in Jesus. Now, if you've been a follower of Jesus, if you've been a part of church for a while, if you've been connected to church for a while, you've actually believed a part of this. Because the part that you believed is that because you're in Jesus that you get to go to heaven one day when you die. You believe that somehow because you were connected to Jesus that God took you and he, and he um, gave you something that you did not have before. That when you were connected to Jesus, you asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin, um, that, that, that you would go to heaven one day. And Paul would say, um, that is a part, right? That is a part of the message of the gospel. That you were taken out of Jesus, you were taken out of condemnation, and you were taken out of Adam, taken out of condemnation, and you were placed into Jesus. But maybe what you didn't know, and what the Apostle Paul is explaining to us, and the reason he gets so detailed, and why he slows down and he gets so specific, the reason he's flushing all this out for us is because he wants to know, wants us to know, that not only are these things true for us once we die, but they're also true now. That they apply in this life. That Jesus' death on the cross and everything that went along with it is true of you because you are now in Jesus. He goes on and he says this, for we know, for we know that our old self, that's the old part of us that was in Adam, our old self was crucified with Jesus, right? Once you're placed into Jesus, what is true of Jesus is now true of you. The reason you get to go to heaven one day is because you're connected to Jesus. The reason you can live a new life now, the Apostle Paul would say, is the very same reason. It's because you are in Jesus. Right? For we know that our old self was crucified with Jesus so that the body ruled by sin, right? that's the old part of us, the body ruled by sin might be done away with. Which means the part of you that was ruled by sin, the part of you that was done away, uh, that was under the dictate of sin, right, is no longer under the power it's no longer under the entity. It's no longer under the, the control of this entity called sin, right? To which we push back and we say, okay, Paul, I don't think you actually know me very well. And the apostle Paul would say, you're right. I don't. Because he's writing this to people that he's never met. And so he says, listen, I just want you to understand something that you didn't actually know before. Because nobody told you. You didn't know this. You didn't know, right? You didn't know. For we know, he says, that our old self was crucified with Jesus so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we, that we should no longer be slaves. A more accurate translation of this word here is actually to be made powerless, to be made powerless, that we should no longer be made powerless to sin. When you were taken out of Adam, Paul says, you are no longer powerless to sin. You were taken out of Adam and you were placed into Jesus. That sin, Paul says, lost its 
claim. It lost its ownership to you. That's why, Paul says, because, don't you know, anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Right? Paul says, listen, have you ever tried to tempt a corpse? Right? Once somebody dies, sin has no power over them anymore. Everything about Jesus' death was applied to you, Paul is saying, because you are now in Jesus. For the death that Jesus died, he died to sin once for all. Right? Literally, once and for all, it's not going to happen again. And once for all. Jesus did this, he did this for you. The death Jesus died, he died to sin once for all. And the life he lives, he lives to God. Okay, Paul, so hang on a second. Time out. Let me see if I've got this straight because this is, this is kind of complicated. Once upon a time, there's this one person and this person is called Adam. And because we're like all physically from Adam, spiritually, we're kind of all in Adam. Is that what you're saying? I got that part. That kind of makes sense. And you're saying that when, um, because I'm in Adam, any, anything I'm in Adam, what is true of, of me physically that I'm from Adam is also true of me spiritually because I'm in Adam. Which means that when sin contaminated Adam, you're saying that, that sin um, contaminated me? I'm, I'm not sure I actually like the sound of that, but the truth is that does kind of explain a couple things. So this, this thing, this thing called sin, when I was born, it has some kind of power over me. It has some kind of control over me because, again, I was born in Adam. So it was true of Adam, it's true of me. But when, but when I embrace, you're telling me when I embrace Jesus as Savior, my Heavenly Father takes me out of Adam and he places me in to Jesus. And so now what was true of me here is not the only thing that's true of me here because now there's something new that's true of me like I, I, I'm a new person is that what you're saying Paul like you like like I have a new I have a new identity exactly exactly Paul would say but but I'm still me absolutely but who I'm related to, my identity is changed? Absolutely it is. Absolutely, the Apostle Paul would say, that's why, right? That's why, in the very same way, verse 11, in the very same way, count yourself, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Right? The Apostle Paul who gave his life for this, right? It's, the, it's because of the Apostle Paul that we're actually here together today. The very same Apostle Paul who once persecuted everyone he could find who even said they knew this same Jesus that he says that he and we and you and me that we are now all in, right? This very same Apostle Paul, he says, listen, there is no point in living, in you living the way that you used to live because you're no longer the person. You're no longer the person that you used to be. You have been placed in Jesus. So therefore, he says, 
Therefore, sin shall no longer be your master. Once again, he kind of leaves us up here. But the Apostle Paul would say, okay, listen, think about it this way. Think about it this way. It's kind of like what happens, Paul would say, this is kind of like what happens during an international adoption. Right? A number of families in our church, a number of people in our church, families and individuals have adopted internationally. Chances are you know someone. I'm sure every single one of us at least knows of someone who has adopted internationally. And it is an amazing, amazing thing. Because, because think about this, right? There's, um, there's this baby, right? There's this toddler, there's this child, this teenager um, that, that's living somewhere uh, in another country, living in an orphanage. Right? And they're living under, this is key, several layers of authority. Right? There's a government, there's a state, there's an institution, there's an orphanage, there's a director of an orphanage, there's staff at the orphanage. And every aspect of this child's life is dictated by all of these authorities. When they get up, when they go to bed, what they eat each day, if they go to school, when they go to school, how much school they get to go to what they're going to do after school, who they're going to play with, who they're going to live with. Every single aspect of that child's life is dictated by all of these authorities. And then think about this, right? I mean, you can picture this. And this is, for those of you who have done this, I, I, can, I can only imagine. This is so amazing. It's so powerful to think of. Right? And if you've been involved with this, of supporting a family, then you know this, right? With a signature... Right, with a signature. Now, again, for those of you who have done this, I get it. It's more like, you know, many, many, many countless signatures. I get it. Right, but with ink on a piece of paper, it's a legal transaction. In fact, in some cases, the child doesn't even know what's going on. Right, the child is too young to understand. In a legal transaction that goes beyond the decision-making ability of a child with a signature that child goes from orphan to family member from one name to a brand new name there are so many ramifications of this right so many ramifications of this and again you know this right you know this the older the child is right the longer the more difficult this process is for that child, for that family, for them to get used to this new world, for them to get used to this new life, for them to get used to this brand new identity, for them to get used to this brand new love. And oftentimes, Right, oftentimes, you've heard stories. There's so many battles along the way. The truth is, many times there's huge guilt along the way. Right, in fact, you know stories. You've heard stories about children who, who actually hoard food in their bedrooms because they grew up in an environment where there just was not enough food in an orphanage. And the parents who have actually navigated this whole incredible process, right, they'll, they'll tell you this. And this is, these are my words, not theirs. They had to learn 
to accommodate themselves. They had to learn how to adjust themselves to help their new son, to help their new daughter understand and live in the reality that I am not who I used to be because everything is just different. It's just different now. And perhaps most important um, as it relates to international adoption and what the Apostle Paul is saying to us today, here's the part that I, I just don't want you to miss this morning. With a signature, right, with a signature, that government, that state, that institution, that orphanage, that director of the orphanage, the staff at the orphanage, as wonderful as all of those people may be, with a signature, they all lose authority over that child. And they can call, and they can text, and they can write a letter, they can even show up at the door. And mom or dad shows up at the door and says, no. No, you have no authority over this child anymore because he belongs, she belongs to me. Now here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Whether you understood it or not, whether you recognized it or not, whether anybody ever told you or not, when you were taken out of Adam and you were placed into Jesus, you got a new name. You got a new family. You got a brand new identity. And maybe, maybe most significant to your experience, right, your life on earth, maybe most significantly when it comes to what it is that you experience day by day, because, see, you may, have, you may have spent your entire life, ever since you've become a follower of Jesus, you may have spent your entire life saying yes to sin. Right? Your entire life, your whole life experience may be just about you saying yes to sin, yes to temptation, because it just kind of overwhelms you and it wells up inside of you and the feelings are sometimes so strong. And you find yourself in the midst of this battle of I, I, I don't want to, but I do want to, and I don't want to, but I kind of really do want to. We're going to talk about that more next week. But see, listen, here's what you need to know from this point forward and for the rest of your life. If you are in Jesus, sin is not your master. Because with the signature, with the piercing of a nail, with the blow of a hammer, sin lost all authority over you. And sin is not your master anymore. And sin, you can call and you can text and you can show up at my door. I just want you to know that I am in Christ. And when he died, he died for me. And when he died to the power of sin, I died to the power of sin. And so sin, you are not my master anymore. As we wrap up today, I want to leave you with an assignment. I want to leave you with a, it's called a project, because this is going to take more than just an assignment. And let me just be clear, I'm not asking anybody to change their behavior. If you want to, be my guest. All I'm going to ask 
All I'm going to ask is that you just pause to recognize something that perhaps you have never recognized before, which is, right, in those moments of temptation, in those moments of feeling overwhelmed emotionally, overwhelmed with despair, overwhelmed with anxiety, overwhelmed with fear, overwhelmed with loneliness, overwhelmed with lust, overwhelmed with guilt, whatever it is, whenever you are feeling that emotion, that overwhelming emotion, it just kind of comes over you and you are on your way to that place that you go. Every time you're feeling overwhelmed emotionally, you can go ahead and go there. That's fine. I just want you to pause on your way and remind yourself, and I want you to actually say this out loud to yourself, sin is not my master anymore. Because when this becomes your way of approaching life, change happens. Change happens. You are not the person the Apostle Paul would say that you used to be, so there is no point in living the way you used to live because sin is not your master anymore. Jesus said it like this. I didn't come into this world to condemn the world. The world was already condemned. It was already condemned. I, I didn't have to come to condemn the world. I came into this world to save the world through myself, through me. I came into this world so that you would no longer be under the authority of sin. That sin is not your master anymore. Let me pray for you today. Father, there are so many of us listening to these words right now, and we may be composed on the outside, or we may be sitting in our rooms sobbing, because we want these words. We want these words to be true of us. And Father, some of us are in such despair because we think they can be true for everybody else, but they just can't be true for me because we live under the condemnation of sin and guilt and shame. And so Father, I pray that in this moment that you would send your Holy Spirit into every single heart that needs to be reminded and shown that you love them. That they are in, if they have received Jesus as their Savior, if they have embraced Jesus as Savior, that means they are in Jesus. And everything that's true about his death and his resurrection, it applies, it applies, it applies. Even when I find myself in my old patterns. Even when I find myself in my old habits. That you are not a father condemning us that you are a perfect heavenly father and when we fail and when we fall you pick us up you wipe away tears from our eyes 
You remind us that we are loved. You remind us that we have been chosen by you. We didn't choose you. You chose us. You moved us and rebirthed us and gave us a new family. And then you encourage us to follow. You encourage us to follow your son, our Savior, Jesus. And so, Father, it's in these next moments that I ask you to hear us all as we confess our sin, as we confess even those sins that, if we're honest, we've just gotten so accustomed to, they don't even bother us anymore because we've just become so numb and so used to it. And so hear us, Father, as we pour out our hearts to you. The good news of the gospel is that your heavenly father is perfect. He's perfect in his love. He is perfect in his grace. He is perfect in his forgiveness. He is perfect in his kindness. He is perfect in his mercy. And he has called you. He has redeemed you. With the blow of a hammer, he has adopted you. And sin has lost its authority over you. And so your sin, it is truly forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen.